0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, as always, Tony Defio. If you're watching me live on YouTube and Facebook, thank you for staying with me. If you, if you downloaded part two, I certainly appreciate that. I hope to have a great second half of the show. I don't know yet. Spoiler alert. I don't, I don't know how the second half's going to go. Hopefully, hopefully it's going to go really well. And let's see what we have in the live chat before I continue. we have Wes Hickok who says, Tony in all caps. And and I certainly welcome the uh, enthusiasm. Thank you for joining me, Wes. Wes is is the man. He's always, he's always been a big fan. And, you know, me, if you're, if you're a big fan of me, my ego uh, uh, needs that. Uh, You know, I'm a diva, right? And here's Jeff Dunn from Facebook. He says, I pencil in. Harris is rookie of the year. I could, I could definitely. I saw somebody. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Michael Beck uh, retweeted something the other day. Uh, some list somebody put out of the top ten rookies they think are going to have the biggest impact. And I couldn't believe that Harris wasn't on this list. I mean, fine. The Steeler hate is is palpable around the country. People like to see the, they like to rile the fans up with this kind of stuff. But how could a the top running back picked in the draft? How can Uh, picked by the team who finished last in rushing last year. How can you not say that that guy could have potentially had the have the biggest impact or, or among the athlete, the rookies who have the biggest impact in 2021? I, I just don't, I don't get that, but whatever. I don't get a lot of things that the national people say about the Steelers anymore. And here, what else we have here before I, before I go on here. I had are talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell, and I guess he was in the media for saying he's going to show the people. Come on, Le'Veon. I mean, it was it was quite obvious that you were you were kind of slowing down in 2017, and I get it. I mean, they they, they rode you to, to the uh, wheels fell off. I, I think 2016 is where Bell peaked. Remember that that fabulous run he had at the, at the second half of the 2016 season into the playoffs where he set all kind of records? But I think he kind of fell off a bit in 2017. He didn't really, he wasn't really the breakaway threat that he was uh, in previous years. And of course, he really hasn't done much since that. So, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, you know, wasn't he trying to prove people wrong last year and the year before that and the year before that? I just think he might be washed up. And that's just, that happens with running backs. I mean, I I don't, I don't uh, deny him the, the, um, his own opinion that, you know, his own belief in himself that, that he's going to show everybody that they were wrong. But, I mean, where's this been the last three or four years? I mean, running backs don't just uh, regress for three or four years and then all of a sudden get their regain their uh, their pep at, by the age of thirty. It usually doesn't happen that way for any football player, but especially a running back. So, I don't know. I mean, I I, I cherished the moments that that Bell had when when he was here as a Steeler. I think he was one of the best running backs they ever had. It was unfortunate how things ended, but but it happens a lot in, in in the NFL with contracts and. And, you know, in the free agency era, salary cap and everything, you know, whatever. I mean, no hard feelings. Uh, I wish him the best. Ross Obenstein says, I love all the bad talk about us and having tough, tough a schedule when that happens, just like 2008, we win Super Bowl. I hope so. I hope so, because that would be, that would be nice. Uh, I think it would, it would <laughs> like, uh like Mark Davis said a few years, a few weeks ago, you know, if the, the fans get another title, you know, I can't say, the, I can't do it the Australian accent, but it's like, all right, uh, settle down for a little bit. I think it's, that was a perfect way that Mark Davis said that maybe we'll, uh, take a chill pill for, for a while. Probably not, probably not knowing fans the way that I do, but hopefully. And I want to get to my next topic. And that is the attendance of OTAs in why it's such a big deal to people. I get it why I get why it's a big deal. Um because you know fans they want the they want to think that the the players are committed uh to football to their craft all year round and I, I think they are. I think even even the ones that don't show up to OTAs are committed to their craft. Again, if you slip even a little bit in, in your in your um your your fitness regimen I don't care if you're at OTAs or not. If you slip even a little bit, it's gonna be it, it's gonna show up. So uh, I get why the fans are are, are upset when c- certain players don't show up. And from what I understand, the, the, the receiving court decided not to attend on mass this week. Uh, I don't know why, but I don't know what the motivation is. I don't, I don't know if it's some kind of stand. I don't know if they're just if they're if they're um, trying to show solidarity solidarity with the with the nflpa you know the union who's kind of encouraging players not show up i don't know what it is but again you know it's their business if they don't want to show up they don't have to show up because the key word in, in, in this whole thing is voluntary these are voluntary workouts and until they're not voluntary then i don't really think we should be able to criticize them as much as we do for that you know, I, I was uh, on Twitter the other day and some Vikings fan was upset that Daniel Hunter uh, is holding out, if you want to call it holding out, on the boycotting OTAs um, because of a contract thing. And, and he said he should honor his contract and be here. And my response was, well, he is, hon- he is honoring his contract because the CBA clearly states that they don't have to show up to these to these workouts if they don't want to, you know. Until you change that, until you until you change the language in the contract, until you agree that these all have to be mandatory, then you know they could they could stand right outside of the of the fence of, of the practice field and, and say, "Hey, look, you know they could they could they could uh, bring a, a a lounge chair and and sit and drink beer and watch your teammates practice." There's nothing anybody can do because they're voluntary. It wouldn't be a good look. But have you ever been pressured by your boss to, to 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 do something in your off time that you really didn't want to do, but you felt you felt um, uh, pressured into doing it? You felt like if you didn't do it, y- your boss would hold it against you. I mean, to me, I think that's what OTAs are for the for a lot of these guys. I mean, they they do you think they really want to show up and and in, in the middle of the off season and and run around in, in their helmets and in, in shorts? I get why the rookies would want to do it; they want to make a good impression. But if you're a, a like a ten year vet, if you're Cam Hayward, if you're Ben, uh, David DeCastro, like, do you really want to show up to this stuff? And, and, and uh, okay, fine. You're, you're getting, you're putting your work in, you're, you're, you're doing these drills, you're, you're getting some one-on-one, but once they're over, you're, you're off for another five or six weeks. Once the uh, OTAs finally end in the middle what, the middle of June, you're off for six, seven weeks before training camp starts. So all that work, I mean, it's going to wear off, right? I mean, the muscle memory is going to be gone by the time training camp rolls around, presumably. So, you know, is it really, is it really matter? I mean, I guess it matters as far as um, like the team meetings. I could see that being important, but those are things that you could do online. You could do those things virtually. They, they, they did it last year and, and they were just fine. And last year they started out 11 and 0. And they had a virtual off season, the entire off season up, up through training camp up, up until training camp was virtual. And it didn't seem to to affect them at all. I mean, um, they kind of regressed at the end of the year, but, but what was that all about? A lot of people thought that was about them not having a, a, uh, an appropriate buy week It had nothing to do with, with not showing up for OTAs. So I don't know. I just think we should, we should cut these guys uh, a little bit of slack when it comes to, to this stuff, because it's, it's something that never used to be in the news years ago. I mean, it was people. People got mad about training camp holdouts. They didn't really care about any of the other stuff because the other stuff didn't really exist. OTAs weren't a thing until I don't know when—20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Mini camp was a was a mandatory thing, but I didn't. I don't remember any anybody getting upset about that either. It was all it was either training camp or or, or if they held out during the regular season. People obviously got upset about that, but not. Any, anything else. So I don't know. I think a lot of people kind of view this stuff as actual training camp. And I think that's why they, they get upset. But again, I think, I think we should cut these guys some slack until, until, the, until the CBA is amended, uh, until the, both sides agree that these things are mandatory, which are never going to do. And I think we should, uh, just kind of, uh, forget about it. So that's my, uh, my next topic. And I have one final topic, and that is about what kind of fan you are and how you enjoy the game of football and how you you digest football and what what brings you pleasure when you're when you're watching football. Is it X's and O's? Is it is it, a, a you know, just winning and losing? Is it uh breaking down film, breaking down tape, whatever they call it, offense and defense. What, what brings you pleasure? Now, in my opinion, there are many ways you could be a fan. You could be somebody who, who just watches, watches the Steelers and that's it. You don't watch, you don't, you don't pay attention to any, any other NFL game. You don't, uh, pay attention. You don't know X's and O's. You don't know. All you care about is the, the black and gold win. If they won, you're happy. If they didn't win, um, you're, you're, you're upset. But then you, when the season's over, then you forget about football for a while and then you come back to it later in the year. There are some people that, that eat, sleep and, and drink and everything else, football, 24, seven, 365, they, they're, they're all about the OTAs. They're all about mini camp, They're all about training camp. Uh, they're all about who's winning, who's who's going to be what what uh, jersey numbers are, are the rookies going to be wearing? Um, who's the team captain? Every little story about the Steelers, they 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 devour it. Right? There are people that that are they have a football background and they and they 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 recognize a uh, cover three, but when they see it, they can they 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 can uh, tell if a quarterback has fluid, or a cornerback has fluid hips or not, or if a quarterback can read a defense. There are people that, that, that are those kind of fans. But to me, there's no such thing as a, a, a superior fan, right? Uh, this is where, where I come back to the X's and O's part. They're breaking down. Because I get, I get criticized about that all the time. You don't know how to break down offenses and defenses. That's true. I never said I did. If you've been well, following my work for 11 years on behind the still curtain, you know, I don't talk about stuff like that. I don't even, and, and you know why? Cause I don't really care. I don't really, it doesn't interest me. It really doesn't. You know what interests me about the NFL? The stories. I love the stories. I love the drama. I love, uh, uh, hearing about players that, that came up from nothing. Like Vince Williams is a great example. In my opinion, He was a six round pick, he wasn't like a, la- uh, uh, undrafted free agent, but he was a six-round pick. He was thrown into the fire right away. He probably didn't even expect to play a lot in his rookie year, and he started 11 games for a, a team that really needed to, him to, to contribute. And now, look at him, he's one of the the uh, senior-most players on the team. He's back again after being cut. He, he, they, they, they mended fences, and he's going into, what, his ninth year. To me, I love that, that kind of story. I love Jerome Bettis' story about how he came back for one more year. He gave it. He gave, he risked one more year of blood, sweat, and tears in 2005. He came back because he knew that this that that year's Super Bowl would be in his hometown of Detroit. And he even said, "If if if we would have went to the Super Bowl, meaning his him and the Steelers, if if, if they would have went to the Super Bowl without me, I would, never would have. I, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself." He went back uh, for one more year. They barely made the playoffs. And they and they and they became the first team ever to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl in his hometown. What a story! You couldn't have if somebody would would have handed you a script and said, "This is gonna, this is our our fictional uh, football story." You'd rip it up and throw it away and say, "This is stupid. This this has never happened." Stuff like that. I'm constantly watching. Um, uh, a football life. I love a football life I, on, if you, you can find them on you on YouTube. I loved, I love those kind of stories. I watched Vince Lombardi and you talk about somebody who was, he, 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 he was all about football, but he also struggled in his, what is in his personal life. Cause his wife is, was often lonely because he, he, he stayed at the, at the office, you know, all day long and all and, and all night. And he was a, he was a bear to be around during the week because you know, he, he is so into his team and so into trying to find a way to win, you know? So, I mean, you know, uh, Gail Sayers who, who recently passed away. If you ever watched the one with, with it, it was a, it was a dull episode of him and, and Dick Butkus. They came into the league together. They, they were both. If you can imagine the bears had two top five draft picks and they, and they, and they landed Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers in the same draft. Amazing. But anyway, um, he, uh, gal his career came to an end, an abrupt end because he, or at least the, the tail end of his career was, was a uh, bittersweet, uh, because he, he su- suffered a major knee injury and 30 some, 40 years later, he's on national TV, basically just so frustrated saying, I wish I had, they had better, um, doctors back then. I wish that, I wish they, the, 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 the medical profession was better back then because I wanted to, you know, he was so just years later, just just distraught over the fact that his, he he couldn't have the career that even though he was a, he was in he made the Hall of Fame. A lot of people say he was the greatest open field runner who ever lived, but he was just so frustrated that that his career was cut short because of injury. You know, so to me that's that's what really, you know, like I wrote a story the other day and I'm just sitting there and I included hack um uh I can't even think of his name anymore. H- Hacksaw Reynolds, the veteran linebacker who, who legend has it used to show up to, to the morning meal on game day, fully dressed in uniform, black eye and all helmet, everything. And I got that because I, of all the years I, I spent watching NFL films, I still watch NFL films. I just said, I do, you know, I like but the, but the old ones from the seventies and the eighties, those, those shows, I, I, I consume so much, of that stuff. I, I know so much of the history of the league. That's what, that's what, uh, grinds my gears like, you know, the, the other, the other stuff doesn't really, doesn't, it doesn't interest me. It, it just really doesn't. I mean, you know, Matt Canada, yes we have Matt Canada's offense. I'll tell you jet sweep motion, this, that, and the other, I hope it works. I hope it works. If it doesn't, then he'll probably be gone. And they'll bring in a new guy, and he'll have a, a different philosophy, right? You know, um, I know the Steelers have uh, have led the league in, in 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 sacking the quarterback every year since twenty seventeen, right? How they do it, I don't know. I mean, I know, I do they do it with a lot of great players, I know that, but how they do it, you know, one gap, two gap, I don't know. Lots of blitzing, uh, beats me. But I know that. Um, it's been a. Uh, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the Steelers go from struggling to get after the quarterback for so many years, the the old slow and it's over version of of their defense, and then they they rebuilt it into what you see today with all these extraordinary athletes. So, but if you like that kind of stuff, if you like the X's and O's, if you like watching film and tape and and, and breaking things down, hey, more power to you. But. Um, I don't think anybody's any better than anybody else because of, of how they choose to, to watch the Steelers, how they choose to follow the Steelers, how they choose to write about the Steelers. I mean, for every, for every Ron Jaworski, right. There's a Chris Berman for every, um, I don't know, Merrill Hodge. There's a, a, a skip Bayless, if it it might be a poor example, Myron Koch was a a, he didn't know anything about about x's and o's he he said andy russell used to make fun of him all the time for not being knowing how to break down defenses and offenses and stuff like that and he's like well i know what a I know when a player's fast and when he's slow and when he can catch and when he can attack him when he he can't do any of those things and ernie stauncher said that's all you need to know to be to be to, to know football so that's my last tangent of the night and i will take some questions and comments. Here's one from Sherry Richards from Facebook. And she says, NFL films is awesome. So glad they have documented the history of the league so well. Exactly right. And I, on that note, Sherry, to that, to your point, what like probably 50% of the reason why I'm such a big NFL fan today is because I grew up on NFL films. I mean, yeah, obviously I love the Steelers. But I also quickly fell in love with the game of football, with the NFL and the, the history of the league, um, the merger, everything. Uh, I love I love going back and watching stuff about the AFL and how the AFL and the NFL they 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 duked it out for years and they finally decided we got to work together and they merged, and here we are today. So I learned so much from the from NFL. I'll always be indebted to. To, to steve sable to his father ed sable for the i mean they took a they took a sport and and they they humanized it they 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 it was just it was, you know for, uh if you're just watching it from afar it's just a bunch of, of big dudes crashing into one another with helmets and pads and and everything but they made it into like a uh, you know they made it uh, dr- dramatic They humanized these guys they, they they you know with the bloopers and everything it was it was it was such a great thing uh and of course the NFL films music uh such a the, the haunting music John facenda's voice the his narration uh, and and it, it was uh it, it was it was fan- even um yeah uh just I, I I loved it and then, and I I'm probably gonna go watch it after I'm done doing this show. I'm gonna go find some on some old shows on YouTube and and watch them. And here's a question from Mark Tobin, and he he asked, "Will the offense score more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns this year?" I'm gonna say no. I I think the running game is gonna be better, but I I still think this is gonna be a team uh, led by Ben Roethlisberger. He's he's still gonna be the uh, the gunslinger, maybe not to the same degree he was last year um but he's still going to be on his shoulders to to lead the it's going to be a bit i think i think the running game can be improved dramatically and i think it's going to help the offense and i think Matt canada's influence is going to obviously help a lot but i think i still think this is if you look at the weapons on this team you know they go four deep at receiver uh eric ebron uh is a, is a great target even though you know he had some drops last year but he's still a great target and he's still a great uh, matchup problem. I think that the, the, it's, 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 na- it's natural to still want to, to pass the football. I don't think, I don't think, it, how many touchdowns could they score? I mean, you're talking, it'd have to score like 30 rushing touchdowns to, to surpass uh, Ben. Cause I think he's, going to throw a minimum of 25 touchdowns though. E- even if it's a if it's if they rushed the ball much better this year than they did last year Ben's probably going to throw 24 25 touchdowns at minimum so it's going it, to it would be hard for them to for them to do that and here's one from thanks mean Joe and he says facenda was awesome he certainly was Jeff Dunn says I think the, the running game takes off this year I, I think it can be improved yeah I really do think it, it, it's going to be a, it, it can be I don't know yet I mean obviously it's there are a lot of questions. I mean, we don't know what's, it's, it's the end of May. We don't know quite how things are going to go. All we can really do with Matt Canada is, is look at what he did in, in college when he was at Pitt, LSU and Jeffrey Benedict, Kevin Smith, those guys, they do a great job of, 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 you should check those, the, the, the their um, film breakdowns out. You should check those out. Um, but still uh, we don't know how much of, of, Matt Canada's offense in Pittsburgh is going to be tailored to the personnel he has on the roster, how much it's going to be tailored to, to Ben's influence and, and what he likes to do because he's still the, the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, 39 or not, commitment to running or not, it's still Ben's team. So we don't know. We, we can get a, a great idea of, of what Canada's offense is going is to look like based on his days running offenses at college, but we still don't know. Uh, exactly what they're what it's going to look like at the pro you know with the Steelers because of of the personnel that they have. So here's one from Wes Hickok, and he he says, "I think only Harris and McFarland score for the running backs." I'm going to say Z Max scores three, Harris ten. I think that's fair. You know, it's fair. I mean, I think I think I think Harris has a chance to be a great. uh, 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 As somebody said earlier a candidate for for rookie of the year but i don't i don't i still don't think i think it's going to be hard for the offense for the running for the, i think it's going to be hard to, to to score more rushing touchdowns than 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 passing touchdowns i think it always is in 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 the modern nfl so and here's one from steela Chick 46 she says i want to go watch santonio Holmes catch in the super bowl again there you go see i, I influenced her Mark Toman asked, does Ben have a first team all pro season? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't, probably not. I I, I think there's, you know, too much competition with, with Patrick Mahomes and, uh, even like, uh, some of the younger quarterbacks, but I think he could have a really good season. I, I think he could have one similar to last year, 33 touchdowns, you know, 10, 12 interceptions. And if you have a vastly improved running game, then I mean it's just going to make things all, all that more effective, you know. If we saw how Elway was in his last years, once uh TD Terrell Davis got going, and 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 once it it he he uh, became really the 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 driving force of that offense with the those late '90s Broncos teams, and how and then once Elway figured out he'd have to do it all on his own, that offense was so much better. But Elway was still Elway in, in those days. If you remember that AFC Championship game uh at three river stadium in 97 you know after the 97 season it was that way making the uh the big throws at the end to uh put that game away i mean he didn't it's not like he was he he didn't have to lead any 99 or 98 and a half yard drive at the end of that that game he just had to make some key third down throws and he did that and he he tore he tore the heart out of uh three rivers so you know yeah, here's one from Steeler Pittsburgh. And, and 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 they say Jeffrey Benedict, as I said, he's showing what Canada's offense could be in this breakdown. Yeah. He he's doing some great stuff uh from Canada's. I mean, if you remember, if you're if you if you're a Pitt fan at all, or, or if you're a Clemson fan, then you might remember 2016 and how effective uh Pitts off I mean, it was explosive that year. I I, I had so much fun watching that. That was such a, a great offense. And of course, the reason why I bring up Clemson is because Pitt Upset Clemson. They went to their place and upset them when they were ranked second, but it's all good because Clemson still won the national title that year. So no, no harm, no foul. If you're a Clemson fan, but still what's fun is the pit fan to see that. Here's one from Jeff Dunn. And, and he says running back and our defense will carry us to seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if it's effective, if it's effective, then we already know their defense is good. And here's Bill Davis who says 360 spin. I don't know what that means. Uh, but maybe it's some other conversation that I missed. And here's one from thanks mean Joe. And he asked my current thoughts on revamped O-line. I, I, I mean, I, I like, uh, I like Shooks moving over to left tackle. I think that's more of his natural position. Uh, Zach Banner is a, uh, he, he, Relishes the uh, being aggressive and 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 being a road grader at, at right tackle. Um, obviously, Kendrick Green, who obviously hasn't won anything yet as far as a starting job at center, he enjoys he enjoys being mean and nasty. And obviously, we know Kevin Dotson does. We know David DeCastro's resume speaks for itself. I think he was just hurt last year, and uh, I think he, if he's healthy again, he's still going to be an All Pro uh, right guard. So. Uh, I think there's potential there for it to be pretty good. Um, uh, nothing's guaranteed, but you know, uh, I think I think the pieces are in play. I think I think they're in better shape uh, to have a, a decent O line uh, now than they were say in the late '00s when they they kind of pieced together a bunch of undrafted free agents, low low round picks, and it just didn't work. I think this year they they have a, a, a a slightly higher pedigree along the line. Obviously, Kendrick Green's a third-round pick. Shooks is a third-round pick. Banner's a fourth-round pick. Um, uh, uh, Dotson's a fourth-round pick. And, of course, the is a first-round pick. Uh, you can't have first-round picks and second-round picks uh, making up the entire units, but I think they, ha- they have enough talent there that, uh, you know, and, and so many of these guys, specifically, as I said, Green, Dotson, and uh, Banner relish uh, blocking for the run, so I think that'll that that bodes well. It remains to be seen. I don't know. I, I, I like to, I like some of the stuff coming out of uh, out of uh, OTAs regarding Adrian Clem and his aggressiveness, his aggressive nature, his aggressive vernacular in, in meetings, and these guys. He seems to be really firing these guys up in, in terms of uh, wanting to get get out there and be aggressive and be physical. in in the ground game. So, I mean, that's where it starts, right? That's what people talked about last year. So often, if you don't practice the run, if you don't practice the run, then it's hard to, 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 um, to, to to implement a a solid sound ground game uh, during, during the regular season. So they're certainly going to emphasize the run this year. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be the, the, the driving force of, of their offense. What I am saying is, they're certainly emphasizing the the uh are they're, they're improving the, the the running game so you know it's like we talk about all the time it's not really about when people say balance they they think it means you have to have 50% pass and 50% run to me balance means being effective in both the passing game and the ground game that's where that's where, where what Steelers have to be is effective both in the air and on the ground. If they can do that, then, then they're going to be a more effective offense. They're going to be more dangerous offense a more explosive offense. You know, look at how, how much they struggled last year on, 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 short yardage plays. Look at how much they struggled uh, near the goal line, trying to, trying to pound the ball in, especially towards the end of the year. So it's really not about uh 50, 50 uh, run versus pass. It's, it's more about just being effective in both areas. So. James Bradshaw. I wonder if it's Terry Bradshaw's relative. And he says, "Who will be our best receiver? Claypool, uh, or at least he'll be the most dangerous. He's he's going to be their most dangerous weapon in 2021. Uh, I, I just think he he has the chance to be the next great receiver in the NFL. That's just I just really I'm really excited about him." All right, everybody agrees Claypool. It's like it's 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 it's, it's, it's rare that you have a um, Everybody's in unison when it comes to somebody Ah, here's bill there. Here's what he, he's He clarifies the 360 spin and he says john elway's 360 spin while being hit hard in the playoffs or super bowl What a statement they they keep showing on espn. yeah that was, I mean, that one that against the, the Packers. That was when he was running for a first down late in that game. Oh, I was such a big Broncos fan that day. Excuse me, I was such a big Broncos fan that day because of of uh, the 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 str- stranglehold the NFC had on the AFC in the Super Bowl for 13 straight years. Even though the Broncos beat Pittsburgh two weeks before, they uh uh i was so proud of them for finally uh getting the afc off the schneid as it pertained to the super bowl so on that note i'm going to bid you all adieu it was a fun show it was a fun night and uh make sure check out behind the store curtain the website as as a, a reminder please check out all of our stuff on youtube our youtube channel you can find us Again, on on any audio platform as far as the podcast. And uh, until I talk to you again, you all have a great weekend. And go Steelers.